The best of the best. We've made it to Championship Weekend, and it's a wide-open race to Super Bowl 57. Welcome back to the Punt Return Podcast. Ryan Lepore here with you and, of course, my co-host, Nick Splitter. Mate, we're down to four. Championship weekend. Almost like uh, the purest weekend of football like it is at prelim final week in the AFL. And, uh, yeah, can't wait to get stuck into two unreal matches. Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is, this is Christmas for football fans, right? It's it's the two best games of the year. It's the four best teams. I think it's the, it's, it's the teams that deserve to be here the most. And I think whoever wins this weekend will absolutely deserve to, to be in the Super Bowl. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, it's it's hard to argue that these are potentially the four best teams. They're certainly the four best right now. I mean, obviously, the, the win streak that these teams have kind of carried, and we know the Eagles, um, slight slight blip there because of the Jalen Hurts injuries, but we know they've been the best team pretty much all year with, with a full-strength lineup. And, of course, the Niners, the Bengals, coming with really hot, hot win streaks, and then the Chiefs, who have just been the perennials for so many years and now hosting a fifth straight AFC Championship game, which is just quite incredible in its own feat. Um, can they get back to a third Super Bowl? It's it's pretty amazing the way the, the narrative of of this weekend in that you know the Eagles and the Chiefs I think were the two best the, the two best teams for the majority of kind of the season in their conference, and then kind of in the second half, both of the challenges this week in, in the Bengals and and the Niners kind of went on their their run, and um, you know it's kind of the, the tale of two stories. One's kind of the, the overall two best teams, and then there's kind of the the hot teams, and and they are quite easily the hottest teams in the league, the, the Niners and the Bengals, and um, so I just really can't wait for for both these games. I think they're they're really hard to pick as well, as you, you'd be able to tell by the the bookies lines and and that sort of stuff, and and watching how they've kind of fluctuated over the course of of the week. Um, but like like you said, kind of the, the the four best teams over the course of the season, and and they all deserve to be here. Just two genuine pickems in 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 these games, and. Like you said, any four of these teams, uh, it's wide open to win the Super Bowl. I think all teams sit between that almost 350, 450 kind of mark. So it's it's anyone's uh, Super Bowl, that's for sure. And uh, and like you said, the bookies have probably got it exactly right with a, a point or two either way uh, heading into the weekend. But before we get uh, stuck in, mate, uh, on those um, two unbelievable matchups, let's have a quick chat around some of the other quick talking points of the week. And uh, we'll start with the coaching carousel. Um, the big one is the head coaching vacancy has been um, filled, I suppose, in Carolina, and it's not the interim Steve Wilkes who went six and six and almost got the Panthers, who were, um, you know, a basket case halfway through the season to to the playoffs. But uh, he's been overlooked for former Indy coach Frank Reich, who's got the job. What do you think of that? Look, I, I really like Frank Reich. I think he's I think he's a very very good coach um, and, and deserves a head head coaching job in in this league. Uh, obviously, that the Panthers one is probably not where we thought that he would end up. Um, and yeah, I think everybody thought that Steve Wilkes was probably first in line to to be offered that that role. And and clearly, he thought he was first in line for that too, given what what's come out in the last kind of twenty four or forty eight hours. Um, his lawyers have come out with a statement saying that. Uh, you know, they're expecting to to have some sort of legal action against the Panthers. Um, you know, a little bit in the same vein as as Brian Flores last year. Um, mm. And you know, I, I think th- there probably is a case. I mean, it's really hard to tell. You know, I think nowadays what 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 hirings are kindly racially motivated or not. But I mean, Steve Wilkes didn't didn't do much wrong in in his tenure as interim head coach there. Uh, like you said, they were a basket case before he, he kind of took over that role. And um, like you said, nearly, nearly got them back into, into playoff seedings. And like I said, I think everybody thought that he was, he was kind of a walk-up start for, for that gig, unless someone like a, you know, Sean Payton put their, put their hand up for that role. And it looks like he's going to put his hand up for a couple of other roles potentially. But um, yeah, I, I was a bit shocked by that, that hiring to be sure. Yeah. And look, and like you said, we'll probably hear more about it and, and similar to the, to what we saw in, in Miami only a season or so ago. Minorities, again, overlooked in the head coaching roles in the NFL. So uh, we'll, we'll see what comes of that. But um, obviously still a few more um, head coaching roles uh, available in the league. But um, certainly a bit of a surprise with Frank Reich um, straight into another spot and at the Carolina Panthers. Uh, a couple other big moves. And they are former head coaches that have gone back to offensive coordinators. And so... Mike LaFleur has just today been announced as uh, Sean McVay's new offensive coordinator at the Rams, which left uh, – that's because, of of course, Nathaniel Hackett 
being hired by the Jets as their OC. So a couple of big moves and um, yeah, the Jets, the Jets in particular uh, had some some odds slashed and doesn't mean that we could see Aaron Rodgers potentially land in the Big Apple. It, it wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, we know we know how good defensively the Jets are. Uh, we know that they've had some issues offensively at at quarterback mainly. Uh, and, and we spoke a few weeks ago at how well their kind of receiver calls, especially the young guys, had performed throughout the second half of the season despite the issues that they had at quarterback. I mean, you wonder what they could do uh, with someone like Aaron Rodgers at, you know, at the helm with, with some of that young talent on offense. Um, Nathaniel Hackett's had a really good, you know, offensive coordinator career. And that's why he got the that's why he got the job at Denver in the first place, is that he had those recommendations from Green Bay. Uh we know how much respect uh he and Aaron Rodgers have for each other. Uh it would not surprise me at all to see Aaron Rodgers have, have another crack somewhere outside of Green Bay. Uh the Jets make a make an obvious choice given that that move to to bring Hackett in. Uh and the young talent that they've, they've got on both sides of the ball and, and you know, QB really is their biggest hole. Yeah, and, and look, they're obviously going to get a new quarterback in. I don't think Mike White's going to be the the franchise quarterback as much as some of the, the fans in New York might want that. But I think they have to go after a big name, and, and obviously there's none bigger than Aaron Rodgers, albeit him coming to the end of kind of his career. If they could land someone like Lamar Jackson or, or someone like that, that's where they got to go, I think. But um, yeah, the Jets are a team to watch for sure, who have built around that young nucleus we saw across the, their rookies this year, which, um, you know... Brees Hall, it's funny, we'll quickly touch on maybe the um, the uh, finalists, I suppose, of the NFL awards as well. That might be something we can touch on. But um, while we're at it, Brees Hall, of course, uh, who did his ACL, was it was right in the conversation for Offensive Rookie of the Year. And they're probably going to get the Defensive player of the rookie, uh, defensive rookie of the Year in Source Gardner. So the, the young core is there to support uh, potentially a veteran quarterback for a couple of years, but um, they might want to a bit more of a longer-term solution. But uh, Mike LaFleur as well, who had big raps. Of course, uh, the younger brother of Matt, who's at the uh, Packers, he's going to go join a, join the Rams as the offensive coordinator with Sean McVay. So exciting for the Rams. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's still, don't know, it's still hard to know, make of what, what the Rams are going to be like next year. Of course, um, a lot hinges on Matthew Stafford's um, health. But, yeah, we'll see how that kind of pans out and that interesting hiring as well. The Rams are one of the, the really interesting ones to, to kind of watch over the offseason because they they just don't have a lot to work with. They've, they've got a bunch of old guys on veteran contracts. Um, they don't have much draft collateral over the next couple of years. Um, and so so what do they look to do? Do they look to trade out trade out guys for picks? You know, is, is it a rebuild? Or do they try and, and get their guys fit one more time and have another crack next season? It's, it's going to be a really, really intriguing offseason and, and postseason for – for the Rams, because I just I, I don't know, I honestly don't know what direction they're going to go in, and, and obviously Sean McVay was kind of, you know, umming and eyeing about whether he was going to continue in LA, um, and, and you know how much of that, you know, how how close he was to walking away, we, we probably won't know for for a while if ever, but you know even the fact that he wasn't sure that he wanted to be there next season and and onwards is kind of a question mark over, you know, what direction are they going to go in? Does Sean McVay want to oversee a, a rebuild in LA, or does he want to does he want to win now again and and you know, I, I just don't know what direction they're going to go. They've got they've got so much veteran talent on that roster. It's going to be hard for them to start to rebuild without kind of draft collateral, un, unless they move to, you know, trade away a bunch of these guys. Um, but even then, with with some of those contracts and their ages, it's going to be hard to see them getting too much in return for them as well. So, yeah, really, really important um, off season for the Rams, and and I really have no idea what they're going to do. Do you? I mean, where do you think the Rams go from here? I think they have to. For the for the fact that you just mentioned the the contracts the the age kind of profile of the team they probably have to reload and and have another crack uh, next season with with Sean McVay obviously still there but uh, you know if that goes pear shaped then I think they probably have to blow it up don't they but I think uh, McVay will get another chance this season to to prove his worth and and see if he can kind of build a winning team again. Um, and, and make another Super Bowl run. Obviously, the health of, of the, some of their star players, i.e. Cooper Cup, etc., um, will be paramount in how the Rams fare next year. But if they're all if they're all fit and firing and healthy and you know performing well, they're, they're still a really really good roster. I mean, we saw at, at times last year, um, you know, the, the talent they've got. They get Cooper Cup back. You know, it looks like they've they've finally landed on Cam Akers. Uh, you know, if they if they do continue with their current roster in the way that it is, at least, you know, I think they can go into next season knowing that they've got Cam Akers at running back. They don't need to 
do this kind of hodgepodge mishmash that they they tried last season with Daryl Henderson and you know a bunch of the other guys um, trying to replace Cam Akers and trade him out and, or, or whatever. Um, and you know if you get Matt Stafford back and and he's Matt Stafford, if you get Cooper Cup back and he's Cooper Cup, uh, you know they've, they've still got enough talent on that roster to to give it a shake, but. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really interesting one to watch. Another interesting move, uh, a big move, and that is Bill O'Brien is back at the Patriots this time as the offensive coordinator. How do you how do you see that move and and kind of him fitting into Bill Belichick's um, regime? And of course, it's probably the writing was on the wall with Matt Patricia not being a um, a, a really well renowned offensive guy. So I think it's a good move <laughs> for the Pats to get someone in. Uh, like a Bill O'Brien, he's obviously highly experienced. He is highly experienced. He does have a very good offensive mind as well, Bill O'Brien. I think as long as they keep him away from the GM position, they should be okay. Uh, but it is gonna, it is going to be interesting. I mean, it's been what a, a decade since since Bill O'Brien was at, at the Patriots with Bill Belichick. It'd be interesting to see now that he's got all that kind of extra experience and and kind of time in the system. You know whether those personalities are still able to work well together or you know whatever. I mean, Bill O'Brien's been a head coach and a GM. Uh, and he's going into the ultimate head coach GM um, kind of kind of spot in in New England with with Belichick, who is is the ultimate head coach GM. You know, he's the leader of that franchise and has been for, forever. Uh, so it's going to be really interesting to see how that works out from a personality perspective. But I think it's a good move for for the Pats as as long as you know as long as they can they can make those personalities work. Uh, I think it's a good move because I think you know the, the the Pats desperately need some creativity on offense. We, we know how good defensively they are. And Bill Belichick is, is a genius defensively. Uh, what, what he's been able to do over the last couple of years with kind of a lack of, lack of talent, I guess, on paper, but still turn them into, you know, a top three defense in, in the league is, is pretty impressive. So some creativity on offense. Uh, I'm sure that they'll make some moves kind of from a, you know, squad roster perspective um, over the next couple of months. And, and it's going to be interesting to, to see how that pans out as well. But I think it's a good move for the Pats. Another big franchise that, uh, well, this time they haven't made a move at this stage. Uh, there'll be a lot to play out, I think, in their in their players. But uh, at this stage, it looks like Mike McCarthy will be returning as the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And Dan Quinn, who would have been sought after by many organisations as a potential um, head coach replacement, obviously took Atlanta to the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago and has been has really turned that defence around in, in Dallas. And, of course, he's, he's kind of come back uh, he's going to come back as the DC and with unfinished business on his mind. Yeah, well, Jerry Jones said after or during during the week before that loss to the Niners uh, that you know, regardless of result, that um, that Mike McCarthy was safe in his role and looks like he was telling the truth. It's always one of those interesting comments that that um, you know owners and GMs kind of kind of say that no matter what, they've got the vote of confidence and, and they'll be there next year. But I mean, that was there was some horrific coaching in, in that matchup from Mike McCarthy and and throughout the the entire season, really, from a Dallas perspective. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think that Dan Quinn is an excellent head coach. I think that he would be a very very good head coach in Dallas as well. We know that he interviewed with a couple of teams over the last few weeks uh, and has ultimately decided to stay in Dallas. I think they've probably got one more year, one more season in them to to kind of see if they can if they can take that next step to. You know, make a championship championship game and and win a championship game and and get to a Super Bowl for the first time in forever. So uh, they, they've probably got one more shot, and and if they don't, then it, it might be time to blow it all up. Yeah, I think, like you said, I think it's um, run it back another year in Dallas. They'll certainly be up against it in you know what looks like now a stacked division, of course, in the NFC East, where all four teams potentially almost, or could almost make it going into Week Seventeen or Eighteen last year. So or this season, I mean, so. Uh, it's going to be tough going. Uh, Dak obviously had a really fantastic game against the Bucks, but that was against the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, who should, probably should never have been a playoff team. And he maybe kind of over, overlooked the 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 worries, I suppose, that he's had all year. And, and of course, he really did lose him that game. Or well, the interceptions, the turnovers, did cost Dallas that game against San mm. Francisco last week. So. Uh, not to mention Mark McCarthy's coaching and a couple of his um, play play designs and a couple of calls there and and the penalties as well, which have just which kind of have crippled Dallas again um, in the postseason, like they did in the exact same matchup last year in the wild card round, where they had a staggering amount of penalties. They had not as many this season, but uh, they certainly um, shot themselves in the foot again with with some undisciplined acts and, and penalties again, which um, you know. You can't afford to do against a, a, t- a defense and a team as good as the Niners. So, 
yeah, we'll see and watch that space in Dallas. But of course, it looks like there's not going to be too many changes um, heading into next year. Just, just, just quickly on 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 uh, Dallas coaching. What do you think they were trying to do on that final play? What do you think they were doing there? Because that was one of the weirdest, most bizarre final play calls that I've ever seen. I think in about twenty or twenty five years of watching this game, I don't think I've ever seen a final game, final play call like yeah, that. Yeah. It, sometimes you just scratch to scratch your head, don't you, and, and think what's what's going through their mind. But uh, yeah, certainly um, just an interesting call, and, and a, you know, a perfect way for Dallas' season to finish for for many onlookers, um, <laughs> including yourself, mate. But one that will another news story that'll warm your heart, mate. Your man, your GM Howie, uh, he's got the nod as uh, GM of the year, unreal, or executive of the year, I should say. It's it's amazing. I mean, on this show, I guess prior to this season, I think. You know, most weeks I was kind of, I was very anti Howie Roseman and, and kind of waiting for, for his his era to finish in Philly. Um, you know, historically hasn't hasn't drafted well. Um, you know, he's always been good at kind of the list management and managing managing the the cap and and all that sort of stuff. But from a, a talent perspective, it's never really been his forte. But over the last two years, he, I think he's he's really stepped up and and he really has become. Uh, you know, the ex- exec of the year. I think he he thoroughly deserves it. The moves that he made, you know, pre-draft and, and on draft night or, or draft week, uh, pre-season, you know, bringing in AJ Brown um, and and a few other moves that he was able to make, uh, you know, really, really deserves this one. It's his second one. Uh, he also won it in the Super Bowl year of 2017-18. So, you know, he thoroughly deserves it. Um, and, you know, really pleased. I think that he's he's he kind of finally... He's starting to get the respect that that he has deserved for the last few years. I think that that prior to that, that uh, you know, he probably made made a few too many mistakes, uh, especially on, on the draft board. But um, you know, he seems to have rectified the strategy, the process, whatever it was that was lacking in Philly, kind of in, in previous seasons. He's kind of rectified that, and you know, what he's built in Philadelphia over the last eighteen months is is pretty special. Yeah, huge congratulations to him and and the organization who have turned things around for sure. And, and obviously it's been a quick turnaround. As, as you said, it was only five years ago that your team won the Super Bowl. So um, it's been a, a, well, a Philly were a Philly were a four-win team two seasons ago. And then, I know. You know. It's been a, an incredible turnaround. I mean, obviously it, it fell off the cliff pretty quick post that Super Bowl. But, uh, you know, a lot of teams, it's very hard to repeat in the NFL as we've seen. And, and what we've seen with the Rams this year, it's, it's incredibly hard and, and getting harder for teams to, to do it in such a, a, you know, a tight and competitive um, contest. And it's probably why the run the Chiefs have been on have been, it's, has been so phenomenal the last few years. And um, again, um, it looks like they, they could have run it. They might be running into a, a team at the wrong time of the time of the season, but that'll all play out. But uh, of course it's, it's very hard to kind of do what they've done and, to be hosting an AFC Championship game for the fifth consecutive year, and of course, now twice now for the for the Eagles. So in the last five years, so um, impressive from all fronts. And before we head into the matchups, mate, some big injury concerns for some very very key and big name players. Uh, you know, a lot of no practices during the week, but it looks like all guns are all guns blazing, and everyone's going to be fit and ready to go for for Championship weekend. Yes, yeah, so, uh, there were some some big names on that injury report, kind of straight out of uh, divisional round. But uh, thankfully, it looks like most of them are, are, are going to be fine. I mean, the biggest one, of course, is, is Pat Mahomes. I think we we all kind of held our breath in in that game, you know, wondering if he was going to be okay. I think that they they were, you know, well enough in control of that game that you know he was able to sit out the second quarter, and uh, Chad Henney stepped in and, and kind of you know took them took them the length of the field to to score and uh, just kind of kept them kept them rolling, but. Uh, you know, the question was whether you know, I think I think I said to you during the game. I think that Mahomes will come back in the second half. They'll strap him up. They'll jab him mm. up. He'll, he'll come back in the second half. But doing that on the day and then getting through another week of practice and uh, you know getting up again for for another week is really hard, especially when it is those kind of upper upper leg, you know, upper ankle or lower leg sprains and, and that sort of stuff. They can they can sometimes take a couple of days to to kind of. Um, you know, really kind of hit their peak in terms of pain and discomfort. And so I think the, the first few days of the week, we're all kind of holding our breath to see whether he would be okay. But it looks like uh, they've, they've taken the injury designation off him and uh, it looks like he's going to be fine to go. Yeah. And obviously the other key ones outside of Patrick Mahomes was was probably the the two big guns in, in San Francisco with Debo and, and C-Mac, of course. We also had AJ Brown. We had um, 
uh, can't remember the other one, or might have been Mahomes. I was thinking of there was there was another Lane, Lane Johnson. Always some question marks. He got that kind of abdominal injury, uh, and he's a, a massive one as we'll talk about for for Philly, uh, especially against Nick Bosa this week. But yeah, some big names, big names on on both sides of the ball. I think. Um, and, you know, thankfully it looks like everyone's going to be okay. Yeah, it looks like everyone will suit up and um, we'll get the best players out there. Before we have a, a quick whip around the grounds from last week's action, yeah, let's let's quickly touch on um, the NFL honours. We saw some some names, um, surprising names in some respects, um, be nominated for the for the M- MVP and the other awards, of course. Um, how did you make – well, obviously we know that the comeback player of the year is <laughs> – might go to Gino because he's he's been named. Uh, our man Saquon's in the running still, which is nice. Big news on on the front of Offensive Rookie of the Year, which I don't think he's going to win. But Kenneth Walker Jr. is a finalist, so the ticket is still alive there at the fifty one dollars. Yeah, tickets uh, alive. I don't know how um, how sure it is there. But any other surprises um, to you and and in, in, in any kind of big snubs from from those coaches from those awards? Oh, I mean. I mean, there there always are. There always are. I mean, there's always for, for really any any award outside of maybe the MVP, where where you know, kind of throughout the second half of the season, you probably know that there's only two or three guys that can win it. So there's no real surprise there. But you know, there's, there's always some snubs in you know defensive player of the year and the rookie of the year awards and, and that sort of stuff. But look, I think most of the for the most part, you know, really deserving guys are, are in the running. Um, so it's hard to complain, and fans of fans of every team will always have a snub. You know, I, I think that Hassan Reddick could have been in the in the running for Defensive Player of the Year, um, and not a not a finalist. So, yeah, there's there's a bunch of guys that every year um, are, are going to miss the kind of the, the final three or, or the shortlist or whatever. But um, all in all, it, it, it's hard to argue with majority of the guys that are that are in the running. Uh, fair, fair enough. Too, I probably tend to agree with that. The big one, or the biggest. Probably surprised was um, Brock Purdy kind of getting his name there on offensive rookie of the year with only I think it was five regular season starts. Um, so the the comparison, mm. of course, was Brees Hall in in New York, who had I think six or or six or seven, and and probably accomplished a little bit more in terms of his explosiveness as a starter in that period. Um, but it looks like that his teammate Garrett Wilson probably will take that honor out. Uh, offensive player of the year, will we see a non quarterback win it? Justin Jefferson, obviously the no, only non quarterback. Um, in the finalists for for um, offensive player of the year or most valuable player of the year in that respect as well. So, um, sorry, Tyreek Hill has also been um, named an offensive player of the year, of course. But Justin Jefferson has made the MVP uh, top five, I suppose. And then, of course, um, we know that defensive player of the year is likely to go to to Nick Bosa. But good to see Chris Jones, who's been a, an absolute beast for so many years, kind of being recognised this year as as, as um, the top three there, with along with Michael Parsons from the Cowboys. I'd be I'd be shattered if Michael Parsons won. I mean, he he's an incredible player. Uh, I think his his second half of the season was nowhere near as good as his first half of the year or, or his rookie year. Uh, and you know, both those other guys that are very deserving of, of the. I'd love to see Chris Jones win, and I, I think it would be great. But I think Nick Bosa's got that sewn up. Yeah, it looks like it at this stage. So let's have a quick look back around the grounds last week. It was an absolute fill up for, especially for our man Nick Splitter, who just took the PI double five last week um, with a couple of his props as well. Lock of the week got up again. That was the Niners once again. Uh, we rode that that uh, the Niners for both weeks of the playoffs so far, and they haven't let us down. So 10 and 8 on the season now for lock of the week. But uh, yeah, let's let's run through it. Of course, outside of that, we had a, a near perfect week. As I mentioned, we also had um, the Bengals, who we both really liked at the plus five and a half, which in hindsight was an absolute gift, of course. Um, the overs, unfortunately, did not salute. That was one of the only ones that, that we got wrong. But everything else, because um, we won't count Patrick Mahomes, who went off injured, because that would have got you the same game multi up as well. So that was the only other kind of cross. But have a look at this. Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown, tick. Patrick um Travis Kelsey over 81 and a half tick. Travis Kelsey first touchdown, if you don't mind, at 7.75, near eight bucks. First touchdown of the game, tick. And of course, the giant killer, Boston Scott, 550 for any time touchdown. He scored 11 <laughs> touchdowns against the Giants. Uh, 11 of his 19. There was no bigger moral of the weekend than Boston Scott <laughs> scoring against the Giants. He is the giant killer and he's called that for a reason. And there was no doubt that if they got a shot, 
you know, in the in the end zone, in the red zone, that they were going to give the ball to Boston Scott and get him over the line because that is just the biggest moral of the weekend. So an absolute fill up from you. Like I said, can only really give you a cross on the overs and the unders um, for that Bengals Bills game because it's a shame that shame that the books won't give me the Mahomes. The Mahomes tick though. He was on his way to be covering that line, but uh, of course the injury and the ankle injury kind of hobbled him there. But a near perfect week, as I mentioned. So we're full of confidence heading into this week. We are probably a little bit um, against each other though, but let's uh, get stuck in, mate, mm. of course. Lock of the week's going to be tough for this one, I reckon. Impossible. Absolutely impossible. I don't know how we're going to find <laughs> one, but maybe it might have to be a player prop or something that we both like because um, it is. I know we're both kind of like the Bengals, but it's uh, it's tough to be putting that, that as a lock of the week in an absolute 50-50 game. But uh, let's get stuck in, mate. We kick off on Monday morning. Eyes will be glued to the tally either on the train. I don't know where I'll be at this point, uh, but I'll be watching very intently. And it's uh, Monday 7am, as I said, San Francisco up against the Philly Eagles. The Eagles going as minus 2.5-point favourites, total 46.5, mate. Can you boys get back to the big dance? I think they can. I think they can. I mean, it's it's just it's such a tough one. I'm surprised that this line is at two and a half because the, the you know both teams are so balanced. They're so even. You know, the Niners are the hottest team in, in the league. You know, they've won what twelve straight now. So uh, the Bengals have won ten in a row. The, the Niners have won twelve in a row. The fact that the Niners are underdogs by two and a half points, nearly a field goal, amazes me. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll take it being a fan of their opponents. That are, you know, that's good. But I'm surprised that they're they're that many points behind uh, at the books. But I mean, just to show how how evenly balanced these squads are in, in terms of DVOA, San Francisco defense is ranked one in the league. Uh, Philly's ranked sixth, uh, both in the kind of the top tens for for pass and rush defense. Uh, on offense, Philly's ranked three. Uh, the Niners are ranked six again in, in the top ten for for pass and rush. Uh, offense and and they're the the number two and number three DVOA teams in the competition. So just super balanced on both sides of the ball. Uh, you know, uh, whole rosters are just incredibly talented, incredibly balanced, and and you know, on any given day, it can be the offense, it can be the defense, it can be the quarterback, it can be the running back, it can be the wide receivers, it can be the offensive line, whatever it is, um, whatever they need. Every you know, both of these franchises have the talent to do it on almost every line. Um, you know, the Niners are somewhat better on defense, the Eagles somewhat better on offense, but it's, it's pretty close in almost every other, you know, in every other metric. The, the one thing that does stand out to me is the sack number. And, and again, maybe it's just kind of wishful thinking as a fan of the Eagles, but Philadelphia's 70 team sacks, to the Niners 44 is a massive differential, especially when you, know, you kind of consider that the, the Niners defense is seen as the, the big bad beast of the league. Uh, it kind of shows that the Eagles are still a, a force to be reckoned with in, in that department. And I think that this one, understanding, I guess, the, the the way that these two teams roll, and so much of it comes down to Nick Bosa for the Niners. We know how good he is. We've spoken about him all year as one of the most underrated players in the league, You know, probably the, the most underrated MVP in the league in that he is the the Niners MVP. Um, and you know, the, the Eagles offensive line is going to have to be on their game to, to kind of keep him away from... Jalen Hurts, Lane Johnson, and Jason Kelsey are kind of the two guys that are going to be tasked with that. But if they can keep Nick Bosa away from Jalen Hurts, then I think Philadelphia wins. And if Bosa hurts Jalen, if uh, you see what I did there, uh, then you know that will go a long way to to the Niners um, stopping the Eagles' offense. So you know it's it's going to be a really pivotal matchup. Lane Johnson hasn't allowed a sack since Week 11 of the 2020 season. Uh, that was against Cleveland. Uh, it was Denzel Ward on Carson Wentz. So that's a stretch that totals 794 days and 31 NFL games. Uh, but the, the Niners' D is, is incredibly good. They're heavily reliant on, on Nick Bosa and his pass rush ability, as we know. 18, 18 and a half sacks over the regular season. He's the only defender on that roster with more than five sacks for the season. But the talent on that defense is is frighteningly good across the board. You've got Greenlaw, Warner, Hafunga, Ward, etc. They've got so much talent on defense that um, you know you, you've got to keep an eye on everybody because if it's the offensive line, if it's the secondary, it doesn't matter. They can hurt you in so many ways and and go back the other way. So whoever wins this one is is absolutely going to deserve to be in the Super Bowl. It's going to be a an absolute classic, I think. And and there's a few a few kind of plays that I like here. I, I, I'm hesitant to take the. Uh, to take the game line at two and a half. I just, like I said, I feel like it should be pick'em given how good the Niners are. But 
Um, a couple of the, the the lines that I like for this one, I've put into a little same game multi that gets up to about 32 bucks. So Eagles one to 13, AJ Brown, anytime touchdown, Christian McCaffrey, anytime touchdown, Christian McCaffrey over 32 and a half receiving yards and AJ Brown over 70 and a half receiving yards and the total over 46 and a half. It gets you to uh, 32 bucks and I'll have a little play on that. What have you got in this one? <laughs> I love how he's like, I'll just have a little uh, same game multi. It's only 32 to one, but um, we'll get it up. <laughs> a little, just a little play, a little play, maybe 50 bucks, maybe a hundred, maybe I don't know. 10 we'll grand, see. but yeah, we'll see how we go, mate. But it's uh, <laughs> yeah, you, the way you've been going, I wouldn't, wouldn't hold that against you, but look, I think arguably the hardest matchup to pick all year. It is genuinely a 50-50 coin flip for me. And uh, the two best teams comfortably, I think, in the NFC have made the championship game, which which is great to see. Obviously, number one versus number two as well in the seedings here, which doesn't happen all that often in the in the, in the the most you know recent um, history. And, and it, it's even rarer that we see two number one seeds face off against each other, which is still on the cards if, if Philly can find their way in against Kansas City. But... Uh, the last number one seed as well to win the Super Bowl, which I'll keep reminding you, mate, was your Philly Eagles back in that 2017-2018 season. And they get to host another championship game this week. But they're against a, a team that now, they, regardless of all the kind of injuries and all the ups and downs that the Niners have had, this is their third championship game in the last four seasons. Like, they are a bloody good team. Um Obviously, they made the Super Bowl a couple of seasons ago. They went down to the Rams last year in a, in a thrilling NFC Championship game, and I think they can potentially get revenge this week. I, I've been kind of saying the last five or so weeks that they've been the best team in it and, and my pick to win it. So I kind of have to stick fat, although I was concerned watching your Eagles absolutely tear the Giants a new one last week. They were incredible. And and like you said, um, off air, it could have been just because it was against the Giants, but the Eagles do look like the complete team. They've got an unreal offensive line, an amazing pass rush. They've obviously got a superstar quarterback, and then they've got the receiving and running game as well to match it. So, I mean, they're, they're a pretty good bloody team. Um, where And they and their secondary as well like to pick off quarterbacks. So, I mean, Brock Purdy's going to be up against it. We saw him struggle a little bit last week. He's been lights out since he's come in and, and started um, the last seven or so games for the Niners, of course. They've won their last 12, so they're just on fire, but... We did see a couple of um, glitches in the armour, I suppose, of Brock Purdy last week when he did get blitzed. So how much pressure the Eagles' pass rush can put on the Niners will go a long way into deciding this game. But they have amazing weapons, as we've just touched on. Christian McCaffrey's been lights out. He scored a touchdown in his last eight straight games. So he'll also be in my same game multi as well, mate. But the other stat for me is the Niners have covered the line in their last nine games against NFC opponents. They, they've owned this conference for a long time. I know they haven't played the Eagles for a couple of seasons. And um, the last four games between these two teams has actually gone under the match points line as well, mate. So I, I can see this being a bit of a slugfest. 46 isn't a huge line. It's probably exactly bang on. I know you just picked the overs, but I could see this being a bit more of a low-scoring game. And um, the Eagles, though, they're, they're hot starters. They've scored first in seven of their last eight games. So we'll see what happens with the kickoff. But um, the Eagles usually strike early when they do get the ball. And oh, like I said, it, it's a genuine flip, a flipping game. And I, I think it's an unbelievable matchup um, on both sides of the ball. Can't wait to watch it. And um, I just, like I said, I just kind of have to go with with, um, with the Niners uh, from the last couple of weeks, kind of put my money where my mouth is and, um, we saw these two quarterbacks square off in college in an unbelievable game uh, about three or four seasons ago when um, Oklahoma beat Iowa State. Uh, and that in that occasion, Purdy kind of had to come back from, I think, two or three touchdowns behind it to almost force. Uh, they went for a two-point play to win it at the end, and they couldn't quite get it done. So these quarterbacks will, will know each other. Put up, put up 20, they put up 21 21 to zip in the final quarter yeah. in that game against Yeah, Oklahoma, that's right. I think. I think they were down by about 21. So, yeah, I think it was three touchdowns to nothing in that last quarter. It was a late flurry, but um, Oklahoma held on with a stopping the two-point conversion. But uh, this is obviously the big time, and, and, and all eyes will be watching this game. And I think I just have to side to the Niners, sadly, and, and as much as I don't want to be betting in an Eagles game because of men, I, I would love the Eagles to win it. But... Um, <laughs> yeah, I just have to side with the Niners in that defense at, the, at this stage. And the same game multi for me, mate. I, I haven't gone for quite as much value as you. I've got 17 to 1 here. That is the Niners to win head to head. George Kittle, Brock Purdy's favorite target, is only his line is only at over 46.5. So that's a, a nice little one for me. I'll be taking that. And then, of course, Christian McCaffrey to make it nine straight touchdowns in nine straight games. Uh, he'll, get an, he'll get into the end zone. And Jalen Hurts, I think, will 
um, rush into the end zone as well. So that gets you 17 to 1. But um, for me as well, it's to take the plus, uh, the points here. Um, like you said, it probably should be um, a flat zero or a half a point either way. So it's a plus 2.5. I'll, I'll take that mm. on the Niners as well. So I think that's a little nice little boost there if, um, to give you some insurance. But that'll be my play. Plays for this one, and yeah, can't wait to watch it. I think it's um, going to be an absolute belt. Yeah, I think so. I mean, how, how important are each of the defensive lines and the pass rush for, for each of these teams? I mean, for the Niners, obviously, it's it's Nick Bosa against uh, Lane Johnson and, and uh, Jason Kelsey. For, for the Eagles, it's it's Reddick and uh, Trent Williams for the Niners. I mean, Trent yeah. Williams has become such an important player for for the Niners this week. I mean, we know that that he's so important for them every week, but this, this week, more than any other, um, you know, that they kind of struggled last week against the the pressure that the the Cowboys put on them, uh, you know, rushing the passer and, and that sort of stuff. And and Brock Purdy really struggled with that for the majority of the game. But um, you know, if if they can keep the Eagles' defensive line at, at bay, then you know Brock Purdy will will have plenty of time to 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 move the ball and and you know get things moving for the Niners. And, and that that'll go a huge way to, to win your game for for San Francisco. Yeah, for sure. I think they they did definitely struggle last week against that Dallas pass rush. So um, yeah, we'll see how that kind of holds up this week to protect Brock Purdy because he will need all the help he can get to to get away from that um, that Eagles pass rush. That is for sure. Let's move on to the AFC Championship game straight after the NFC Championship game, kicking off at ten thirty a.m. Monday morning. An absolute belter as well. We've got the Cincinnati Bengals up against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs. The line has flipped around with Patrick Mahomes being cleared to play and, and fully healthy, I suppose. It's gone from one and a half the Bengals way to the Chiefs now being the favourites at minus one and a half and the total is forty-eight. Does that make a big enough big enough difference, Patrick Mahomes coming in fully healthy? I mean, I know we know he was going to play regardless, but um, the mobility might be there. Yeah, look, I, I don't, I'm not sure it makes a difference in, in this case. You know, we've spoken about it a, a number of times over the last month that, that if I think both of us kind of said that if the Bengals were facing the Chiefs in the playoffs, and it's you know it's hard to bet against Pat Mahomes, of course, but you know the Bengals have, have beaten the Chiefs three times this year, all, all in 2022, last year I should say, including last year's AFC Championship game. So they're not going to be overawed by the occasion. You know they've gone into into Arrowhead, they've won there before. Um, you know we know how hard it is to, to beat the Chiefs in general, how how hard it is to beat the Chiefs in Kansas city and, and the Bengals have done it a number of times. And so they've got nothing to be scared of, uh, you know, in, in terms of kind of offensive de- defensive rankings, we know how devastating the chiefs passing offense is. It, it's potentially the best passing offense the league has ever seen with Mahomes, and, and, and we, we know that they lost some talent uh, this last off season with Tyreek Hill uh, leaving the, the franchise or being traded away. Um, but it hasn't seemed to matter. We know that their, their guys aren't putting up the sort of numbers that um, you know that Tyreek Hill was putting up. But in terms of points per game, in terms of you know keeping the ball moving, you know Travis Kelsey's just an absolute superstar. Uh, I think bringing in uh, Kadarius Tony has been a, a massive a massive boost for for the Chiefs. Uh, it just fits in really well alongside Juju and uh, and some of those other guys. So I think that they're still. Yeah, a really, really good offensive unit. They're the number one offensive unit in the league. Cincinnati uh, are also incredibly good on offense. Um, the Chiefs probably win that offensive battle, but I think that the um, the Cincinnati defense is kind of where the difference is. You know, the, the Bengals are on the upper scale of kind of league average. The Chiefs are well below league average defensively. Um, and, you know, the, the Chiefs need to stop Joey Burrow because if – He's got time to make plays. He's going to hit his guys time and time again. He's going to keep moving the chains. He's going to put up plenty of points. The question mark for the Bengals is when Mahomes targets his wide receivers. Um, Cincinnati are ranked in the bottom two when defending passes thrown to wide receivers, so not including tight ends or running backs out of the backfield. So you know, the guys like Bell, Bates, Apple, etc., are going to need to be on their guards to, to stop kind of the, the Chiefs moving the chains um, in, in that regard. We mentioned Boston Scott as one of the all-time morals to score last week against the Giants. Another one, I think, was Jamar Chase. He's Joey Burrow's go-to guy. He's Mr. Reliable, Mr. Dynamic. It was so obvious that he was going to be targeted heavily in, in some of those big spots, and it started right from the jump with two completions on the first drive, including the opening strike, that 20-yard kind of dink through the middle that saw Jamar Chase accelerate through that kind of ice and frost on the field. Yeah, just one or two steps, and, and he had so much power in his legs that he was 
he was gone before those two defenders on either side of him had time to, to, to close in. I think he'll score again. I think the Bengals roll on. Uh, yeah, Bengals plus one and a half. I think there's going to be plenty of points in this one. The two offenses against, you know, kind of two league average at best defenses, there's going to be points. So go on the over here again. And another small same game multi here. I've got the Bengals one to 13, Jamar Chase anytime, Joe Mixon anytime, Kadarius Tony anytime, and over 48 at $40.25. And I'll have a, a little play on those uh, probably individually as well. What about you? That is uh, very tasty indeed, mate. This is. Um... Yeah, another incredibly difficult matchup. Uh, of course, watching last week, I think I had to say how impressive the Bengals were. And, and you know, um, despite how mobile or injury-free Patrick Mahomes was going to be, I probably had to side with the Bengals before that injury as well. I mean, they were just so good against the Bills. They completely shut down the Bills there. Joe Burrow is getting the ball out of his hands so quickly that offensive line is is holding up because of that as well. I mean, they've just they flipped that around. That was the issues early on in the season for the Bengals, that offensive line and Joey Burrow taking sacks. But now that's completely flipped and we've seen how dynamic they can be on offense. And the other key thing for them last week was just getting the run game going. Joe Mixon was breaking through holes. They were picking up six, seven, eight yards at a time in the run and, and just giving the Bengals short down situations. And they were never behind the chains. They weren't chasing third and longs any and at any stage, and they were completely controlled that game from start to finish against the Bills. And um, different conditions probably expected in in Kansas City and a different atmosphere as well. But like you said, they've they've owned the Chiefs the last three times they've beaten them. I know it's only been a field goal on each occasion, but they've they've looked the better team, and so much so that the the mayor of Cincinnati was calling for a paternity test. I think it was on Patrick Mahomes um, to see if Joe Burrow was his father. <laughs> Something like that. Some absolute <laughs> shenanigans going on in Cincinnati. But the who day, they, they're back here again. And it's obviously a repeat of at last year's AFC Championship game. And, and they're not a flash in the pan, the Bengals. They've got that much talent on, on the offensive side, especially. And defense has been stepping up and, and supporting them aptly. And I just can't wait for this matchup either. I think it's um, Joey Burrow's time to shine. As much as I'd love to see Pat Mahomes get there to another Super Bowl, I think they might just come up short again here, the Chiefs. It's an incredibly hard game to pick, though, and um, you know Andy Reid's definitely going to have something up his sleeve for the for the Bengals. You know they've obviously beaten them three times in a row, as we've touched on, and you've got to know that Andy Reid is the most prepared coach in the league. So he'll definitely have his plans of attack moving forward, and it'll be interesting to see how how the Chiefs can curtail the Bengals. But um, let's run through a couple of nuggets for you, mate. The Bengals have obviously won ten games. In a row, they've covered the line in eight of their last nine road games, so they've just been dominant away from home. Uh, they've also, um, in nine of the last ten Bengals postseason games, so any playoff games, they've actually gone under the total match points line. So that's where I'm potentially thinking as well, just to go against you there for my same goal, same game multi as well. The Chiefs have scored first in each of their last six home games. Jarek McKinnon has scored a touchdown in their last six of the seven Chiefs games. And Travis Kelsey, though, the man... The superstar has scored a touchdown in seven of his last eight postseason games. Uh, look, according to all that, this is my same game multi for you. Uh, Cincinnati to win head-to-head under 48. Jamar Chase, anytime touchdown, who's also scored a touchdown in five of his last six games. And Travis Kelsey, anytime touchdown. And that it gets you 25-1. to one. God, it's, a, it's going to be an absolutely unbelievable championship weekend. Two thoroughly good matchups, um, two picking games, but I think I have to go to the slide outsiders in both and, and see a Bengals 49ers Super Bowl. How about you, mate? Are we thinking Eagles, Eagles, Eagles Bengals? Yeah, I've been thinking Eagles Bengals for for a while now, but mm-hmm. uh, look, it's hard to it's hard to disagree with you because I think generally, yeah, you know, my my kind of strategy is the same. That if you feel like they're two picking games, you go with the underdog. Um, so I, I I agree with you in that sense. I just think that there are some some slight differences here. I just think the books have, have kind of got it slightly wrong mm. um, in that regard. But look, it's I don't know. They're, they're going to be two rip snorters, and and I can't I just can't wait to watch them. But if we, we've heard all the memes and the jokes about Aaron Rodgers and owning the Chicago Bears and all that sort of stuff, but if the Bengals win here again. They start saying that Joey Burrow owns the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, surely that's got to that's got to start sometime if if it happens again. Oh, absolutely. I, I think especially the way the, the the magnitude of these matchups. Not only would it be two 
AFC Championship games in a row, but it obviously the, the the regular season games have been all important for seedings and things like that and the way they've kind of finished. So, yeah, it'd be absolutely fair to say if Joey Cool can um, knock off Pat Mahomes again. But, uh, yeah, it's going to be a tough challenge for the Bengals, who obviously got to go into to Arrowhead, one of the toughest venues to play in, and it's going to be loud, and we know that. So let's see if the Chiefs, Chiefs can uh, home crowd can make a difference and, and get their, their team back to the Super Bowl. Now, an impossible task for us, mate. We need to pick a lock of the week. Um, I don't know how we're going to do that oh. on any of the games, to be honest, just because of the nature of them. I know we both kind of side to the Bengals, but it is very tough to go lock of the week against the Chiefs at home in a, in a, in a playoff game. So maybe we, we find a player prop that we both really like. Yeah, look, it's, it's a tough one to pick. I think from a line perspective, I think the only thing that we do have kind of together is that Cincinnati plus one and a half. Uh, for, but like you said, it's, it's tough. It's real tough to, to bet against the, uh, the Chiefs at home in a playoff game. Um, but I, you know, individually, I think we've got to do it. Do we do it together? I, I don't know. It's tough for the lock. I mean, we're, we need one more win to ensure that you know, we end up in the positive for, for the lock. Uh, we're kind of we're even. We know that at very worst we'll break even, but one one more win ensures that we uh, we're in the positive. the The options from a player prop perspective that I think we've got are yeah Christian McCaffrey anytime touchdown and Jamar Chase anytime touchdown are the other the other ones. So I mean, where where are you thinking? Yeah, impossible, isn't it? I really it is. I mean, it's it's so tough. I think the Niners will score through Christian McCaffrey. So that might be one, but I think, yeah, maybe we just ride the Bengals and, and um, the gut feel there that we we're in the hot hand and, and um, riding with Joey cool. Yeah. It's t- I, I tend to agree with you on, uh, on Christian McCaffrey as well for what it's worth, whether it's, whether it's a, a run or a catch, I, I think that um, Christian McCaffrey scores again. Uh, likewise with Jamar Chase, I think that he scores. I think he, you know, he's, he's the go-to guy on, on offense for Joey Burrow. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a really, really tough one. It's a really, really <laughs> tough one. I, I would be happy with any of those three. Um, we, we've done all right through this, this playoff series with the Niners, playing the Niners line, plus or minus. Uh, actually, they've both been minus, haven't they? The Niners, they've both been, both been minus lines. So, um, but we can't agree on that as a play. So we got the Bengals right last week. Do we just go? Do we just go with the team line? Bengals plus one and a half. Although we did start the season with a player prop that got our lock of the week going. But <laughs> all right, don't think we've gone back to it. That's true. That's true. <laughs> oh no! You, you've got me second guessing now. Got me second guessing. Ah, oh, I don't know. I mean. Maybe McCaffrey's the play, Christian McCaffrey. The, it is. It is probably the one hole on the Eagles' defense is their run defense. So maybe, maybe that's the one. Maybe that's the one, Christian McCaffrey. Well, I'm easily persuaded. So, um, all right, let's lock that in. Done. Locked in, Eddie. CMC to be an anytime touchdown scorer in the NFC Championship game against the Eagles. Now, one one more thing. Now, I've seen this a couple of times on on social media over the last oh, last you, week, but I want I want to see if we can rank the four remaining quarterbacks in this NFL postseason. Rank them one to four in terms of quarterback level. How do you how do you rate these last four QBs in the championship round? I think we have to work back, mm-hmm. and then obviously Brock Purdy just due his um, yep his rookie status and and what he's achieved so far in his career has to be number four. Yep, I'm happy with that. I, I almost almost depends on this week's results and how you go from number three. I don't think you can put P Mahomes at number three, so he's he's definite top two. So that leaves Burrow or Hurts. Well, should should we do it? Should we do it separately? You want to do your four, and then I'll do my four. All right, I I, I kind of. Due to the CVs, I, I would have to rank him Mahomes, Burrow, Hertz, Purdy. And that, that hurts me to, to put Hertz in number three. Oh, we're the same. We're the same. And and no, I, I agree. I've got I've got Mahomes one, I've got 
Joey Cool two. I've got Jalen Hurts three and Brock Purdy a distant fourth. I, I like Brock Purdy. I like what they're doing on offense, but you know he's not certainly not in the same classes as those other three. And for pure quarterback play, I'm not sure Jalen Hurts is in the same in the same discussion as Joey Burrow and, and Pat Mahomes. I think it, Mahomes is is the clear the clear number one in this regard. I mean, he's, he's going to win Super the MVP game. again. Um, he's the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback in in the league. Uh, and has been for a number of years, in my opinion, anyway. For pure quarterback play, I think Joey Burrow is the second best quarterback. Um, and But that's, I guess it's a different question because, again, depending on the franchise and, and how you build your franchise, Jalen Hurts is probably more important. Um, I think Jalen Hurts might be a better overall player, but for a pure you know, traditional QB player, I think Joey Cool's got to be number two. So Mahomes, Burrow, Hurts, Purdy for me. Yep, hard to argue. I think, um, you know, if that could change if, if Jalen Hurts can can win and win this week and, and get himself into a Super Bowl and, and um, you know, things potentially could change after that. But, uh, yeah, I think, like you said, he might be the overall quarterback play. There's no way I don't think he can go past Joe Burrow at the moment as um, – you know, the heir apparent to, to, to Patrick Mahomes. So, um, mm. yeah, easy to see why. It just makes it look so easy. So I've never seen – I don't. I know he's, he's called Joey Cool. I know that he's had that nickname all through college and all that sort of stuff as well. But I've never seen someone so relaxed doing what he's doing in the league. It's just incredible to watch. It's so much fun. Yeah, it, it, well said. I think, yeah, he, his kind of attitude has been refreshing for the league. And, um, you know, he gets another chance to, to, to prove himself again this week. So – We'll see what happens, but mate, can't can absolutely not wait for Monday morning. It's going to be an absolutely thrilling uh, six or seven hours or whatever we get to watch of back to back games, and I'm no doubt we'll be we'll be chatting throughout. But um, thank you very much for joining me on a Saturday afternoon. I know it's a late one, listeners, so apologies for for getting it up so late this week. But um, hopefully we've we've proven some insights, and um, yeah, can't wait to watch the NFL this week. Nick, any final thoughts, mate? No final thoughts. Uh... You know, four best teams. Whoever wins on Monday morning Australian Eastern Time will uh, will thoroughly deserve their Super Bowl appearance, and you know will probably be the two best teams that most deserve it. So you know they, they're going to be quality games. Both of them quality games. Both of them very hard to pick, very hard to tip, very hard to bet. Uh, if you take the kind of the, the the match result out of it, I think they probably become a little bit easier. But that's the biggest question I think um, for, for both the games is, is picking the winner. Um, but look, should be some quality football and I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah, likewise, mate. Thank you again for joining us and we'll leave you with a... Go Birds.